<laughs> Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who can't hate Mother Gothel because she's snatched. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2002's Barbie as Rapunzel. Okay, Audrey, how are you feeling about this movie this week? Well, I think we've done some hard hitters recently. We've really (laughs) gotten into the emotional underpinnings of life. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so this week we're just going to clown. We're just going to clown around, (laughs) basically. We really are about to clown around, um, but I personally could not be more excited to have a silly, lighthearted moment with you today, um, discussing a straight-to-home video Barbie classic. I mean, who could ask for more? Hot take of the week. Do you want to introduce the hot take of the week? I picked this hot take of the week because I'm honestly really intrigued as to what you will say, because it's not really a topic that I feel strongly about per se Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it comes from at aldog33 who i am talking to all the time on instagram um we're always talking about step up and channing tatum and just like some some like topics that i don't know that much about (laughs) but like she does so shout out to you yes um anyway she asks this is a versus Chad Michael Murray versus Channing Tatum. Okay, okay. So when I saw this as the hot take of the week when I pulled up the script but moments ago, I literally started like laughing to myself (laughs) because I cannot emphasize enough the extent to which I don't care about either of them. Like, Chad Michael Murray is in Cinderella Story. That's really my only exposure to him. I know he's in teen dramas that I theoretically should have seen, but I haven't. Channing Tatum just seems homophobic to me. I don't know why. <laughs> He's probably not. Um, I mean, Zoe Kravitz maybe was. I don't know if she still is, but she recently was dating him. I don't think she would date a homophobic person, but I don't know. Probably not, but also, <laughs> like, maybe he has other really redeeming qualities. Who knows? Like he's homophobic, but he's nice to his mom or something. Well, maybe, maybe it's like she's on the rebound and he's like an extraordinarily good lay or something. Maybe. I mean, there's just like these pictures, these candid pictures of them walking around like Williamsburg, and it's just weird. It's just very strange. But I have to say that like that knowing that, and also for some reason, Channing Tatum's in a bunch of movies right now. Like, he's in, like, three different movies right now. 
Um, I feel like he kind of left the cultural consciousness for a while, like post Magic mm-hmm. Mike era. Yeah. And not that I've never, I haven't even seen those, but you talk me about neither. a movie that does not interest me. Like, I know all. you have to like really love men to see, you, to watch that do. movie. You really do. Um, you have to be very gay or very straight. Yeah. Okay, but if I had to choose, it would be Chad Michael Murray, obvi, but it's not based off of that much knowledge or actual interest. I w- right. I'm sorry if that sounds mean, <laughs> but it, I mean, Al Dog 33 knows what we're like. So this probably yes. is not a surprise. Yeah, I don't think it's a surprise, but yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know. I was like, I'm also was like, let me, what if I just throw it to Channing Tatum, like just for fun? Um, yeah because at least like I don't know Chad Michael Murray he still does act but like he doesn't have the same kind of presence that he had but I did watch like One Tree Hill which he was the main character in okay so honestly it's sort of a (laughs) (laughs) toss-up um but that's why I liked this one because I knew he would struggle with it (laughs) yeah 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 i'll I'll throw it to channing just for fun all right how generous of you if zoe kravitz can date him there's something good going on there so i will guide us into the facts surrounding 2002's barbie is rapunzel okay so this movie was released straight to video on october 1st 2002 with a solid rated g status Totally accurate. Um, This movie was directed by Owen Hurley, who also had uh, directed Casper's Haunted Christmas, Barbie in the Pink Shoes, Barbie of Swan Lake, Barbie in the Nutcracker, and other children's animations. (laughs) Barbie of Swan Lake and Barbie in the Nutcracker are also pretty good, from what I can remember. Remember. They really know, this is foreshadowing, but especially in the Nutcracker and this one, they really know how to stunt cast their villains, let mm-hmm. me just say. They really I don't do. Know, I don't know how they pull it off, but they somehow do. Okay. They never this, miss. They don't miss. They do not miss. Actually, yeah. I wonder who the villain is and um, who voices the villain in Swan Lake, but we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. Um, okay, so uh, Rapunzel was produced by Jessica C. Durchin, who also had produced and has produced <laughs> Barbie and the Nutcracker, Barbie as the Princess and the Popper, Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures, Barbie and Rock and Royals, Princess Power, and The Secret Door. So this is Barbie's arbiter of content. Uh, good for her. And then we have Jessica are. Twiner. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Jessica Twiner McCarran, also a producer who has worked on The Last Kids on Earth, Molly of Denali. What a great name. Action Man, Beat Bugs, and also Barbie Presents, Thumbelina, Barbie in a Christmas Carol, <laughs> Barbie in the Diamond Castle, Barbie as the Island Princess, Princess and the Popper, and Swan Lake. Which, hold on, just pause and rewind. I don't know... I would love to see Barbie in A Christmas Carol because I would love to see a world where Barbie's a bitch. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, well, I doubt that that's what it is, but is, I want that to be it. Yeah, like, I, do, I don't think they're, like, having Barbie be Scrooge. But, like, what if they did? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, that would be kind of fierce. I would like that. Yeah. Also, the 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 prospect of Barbie as Thumbelina <laughs> is interesting. Oh, I didn't even process that. Barbie yeah. as Thumbelina, 
I would also like to watch that. And then next up as executive producer, we have Brett Gannon, who also had worked on Scary Godmother Halloween Spectacular and Beast Wars Transformers. I have no idea what either of those are. <laughs> um, and then last last but not least, we have Rob Hudnut, <laughs> which is a name I would love to hear you say. Rob Hudnut? Mr. Hudnut himself has worked on Life in the Dream House, DC Superhero Girls, and literally all Barbie content from 2001 to 2015. So Rob was really putting in work. Oh, yeah. As for the writers, we're going to start with Cliff Ruby, who has a written by credit. He has written for Dragon Tales, Balto, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Arthur, Charlotte's Web, two Wilbur's Great Adventure, <laughs> and perhaps predictably lots of Barbie stuff. And then another writing credit uh, goes to Alana Lesser, who pretty much has all the same credits as Cliff Ruby, but also Mean Girls 2, <laughs> to which Audrey says she has questions. Yeah, because um, anybody who's seen that movie knows that it is... It's almost like a, a departure of, from film. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, I have no words. It would be hilarious to cover Mean Girls 2 at some point. But it almost I've feels like, it. it feels like beating a dead horse. Cause like, and, and yeah. in some ways, the Barbie movies also feel like beating a dead horse. Um, especially with all the like annoying ass, like uh, YouTube commentaries that have been made on them like everybody basically cracks the same jokes but that's not what we're about so no please anyway no (laughs) I had the same thought I was like I feel like doing commentary on these movies is it's to me it's less about beating a dead horse and more about kicking something while it's down um but like we're not really here to dunk on this movie per se um no and like I'm, I remember talking about this in a past Barbie episode, but um, there was, like, these two guys who had gotten super popular on YouTube for, like, basically, like, dogging on Barbie animated movies, but it's they had no nostalgia for them and had never seen them, and I was like, this is hateful, actually. Like, please. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> not cute. In the credits, it says, story developed by Sarah Mazes, who has also worked on Harriet and the Spy. Whoa. Harriet the Spy, not Harriet and the Spy. And all the Barbie movies. And then we have Robert McKee as a story consultant, who apparently worked on a bunch of really manly movies and then randomly (laughs) Rapunzel and the Nutcracker. Not sure what happened there, but um, he found his way into this situation. Okay, and then last but not least, we have the music. So the music is recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra. And when I saw that, I was like, like, the music sounds great, so that makes sense. But I was like, is this like a thing? Like, are they like super accessible? Like, is it easy to get them to record stuff? And based off these credits, I would say kind of, but most of the stuff they've worked on is really good. So some of the other movies that they have recorded music for are Star Wars, Jurassic Park, The Shape of Water, Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter movies, The Sims 3, (laughs) what an honor. And apparently they have racked up 665 credits since 1933 with both their work being in films and video games, which is really cool, actually. Yeah, I was on their IMDb and I was like, what? Like yeah. since 1933 they've been they've been pumping out media just crazy amounts every year. Obviously it's an orchestra so 
they, I'm sure they have like a rotating, kind of like a rotating cast of like who, who, play, mm-hmm. who plays in it. So like they can, they're yeah. able to do that and like produce a lot, but it's pretty yeah. crazy. And then we have Arnie Roth as the conductor, the conductor? Yeah. Like of Is the orchestra. True? Yeah. Did he? Oh, I see. Okay. So he was the conductor of the orchestra and he was in the music department also for Princess and the Popper and many other Barbie movies. So that earns him legend status. And on top of it all, he also served as the music arranger, producer, and orchestrator, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So basically for this movie, he was the conductor, but in other Barbie movies, he has he has filled a lot of different roles musically. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just impressed with this individual. <laughs> like, I think he's yeah, done like, a great job. Thank you, Arnie. You've yeah. made large contributions to our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, Audrey, want to take us into this synopsis situation? It's very simple. It's kidnapped by a witch. A princess with very long hair lives imprisoned in a tower and awaits rescue by a handsome prince wrong <laughs> like i i mean i think that is more so the log line of rapunzel like specifically yeah. not necessarily the, barbie the as rapunzel yeah yeah this is that is like not what happens in this movie really <laughs> but like i guess it kind of is but we'll get yeah. into that i don't okay. even like view i don't even view barbie as rapunzel as Rapunzel. Like, it doesn't register in my head that way. We'll get into this in the second half, but the fact that the only letting down her hair situation happens in a dream sequence is, like, all you need to know. Yeah. In terms of it being a faithful adaptation. They took their creative license. (laughs) They really did. They really did. But, okay, Audrey, what are these taglines? Okay, so there's four taglines. The first one is a magical twist on the classic fairy tale. The second one is go back in time to a place of magic and dragons where Barbie stars as Rapunzel. <laughs> the third one is Barbie <laughs> starring in a fairy tale adventure. <laughs> and the fourth one is <laughs> love. And imagination can change the world. <laughs> Did you find those to be compelling taglines? <laughs> it was the exclamation points. <laughs> that took you over the edge. So let's get into this cast situation. Okay. So, first of all, we have Kelly Sheridan as Barbie, and she's basically like the definitive voice of Barbie, at least for our generation. But she also has done voice work in the English dub of Inuyasha, My Little Pony, and Sausage Party. Perfect. Next up, and I shit you not, at the part in the movie where Mother Gothel like does her spell, I was like, I gotta look up who the fuck this actress is. Yeah. And when I saw it was Angel- Angelica Huston, my jaw dropped. I was like, <laughs> are you joking me that that's her? So 
That being said, um, she's very well known to me from Ever After. That's kind of the main reason I know her. But she's also like the Morticia Adams in the versions of the Adams family that we grew up with. Um, but also she's in the Grifters, the Witches, and is one of the women in uh, Wes Anderson's Arsenal and was in French Dispatch and Isle of Dogs. Okay, next up we have a very important person. We have Cree Summer who's playing uh, Penelope the Dragon. Um, and she, we have listed here that she was in Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and Inspector Gadget. But something really interesting about her is that she is like the go-to person, especially for the 90s and 2000s, to voice black characters in mainstream shows. So like she was, I'm pretty sure she was Miranda and As Told by Ginger. She was Susie in Rugrats. I'm like looking at this image of all of her characters right now. Um, but basically she's also in Codename Kids Next Door. Basically it's like name a show with like a black girl character in it and like Cree Summer is the voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's like a really cool YouTube video of her talking about her career and how like representation has always been a really big deal to her. Um, especially in such like, like, I don't know, mainstream animation for kids tends to be very white. Um, but yeah, Cree Summer is extremely cool. And maybe we'll like put a link to the video I'm talking about in the description just because she's like a very interesting person. But moving right along, we have Mark Hildreth as Stefan, who's the, <laughs> is it Stefan? It's Stefan. Oh, it is Stefan. Yeah. So he is in Resurrection, The Tudors, The Looming Tower, Polly Pocket, and lots of animated TV and video games. And now we have a, a man of true mystery, Peter Kalamis, playing Otto, the creepy ferret. Um, and he is in Glow, Polly Pocket, A Dog's Purpose, ugh, Lego Star Wars, and G.I. Joe. And then... Last but not least, we have Chantal Strand as Kelly and also Katrina. Well, it's Katrina, but it's Kelly, both of the characters. Um, and she is in My Little Pony, Bratz, Dragon Tales, most of the Barbie content, Tom and Jerry, and also plays Sarah's sister in life size. I don't know but who Sarah is. Uh, neither do I. I. I think it's just like one of the girlfriends. Like one of the, f you know how Lindsay's character just has like random girlfriends in that that show up for like one sec yeah yeah I think that might be that as for the budget I really looked on the internet for this information and it's not really known how much they spent budget wise but we know it was released on home video and obviously we know it was successful and I found this quote um from billboard about the movie and here's the quote. The Barbie as Rapunzel campaign expands on many of the promotional components from Mattel's Barbie in the Nutcracker, which had a 94% sell-through rate and sales of more than 3.5 million units. Print ads started one week before street date, and Ross says they are expected to generate 260 million consumer impressions through the end of the year. So, yeah, I don't think they really got to worry. <laughs> they don't have to be concerned yeah. about it. Um, and it's not wow. like they've got some, like, true-to-life animation. <laughs> like So now going into critic and audience opinions. So there's no critic score because we could only find two critic reviews. Um, but the things that they said include... The animation isn't the greatest, but the film has a great story, music, characters, and message. And then 
the Barbie-themed fairy tale is a bit passive, but arts-focused, <laughs> which I would say is a bit of a reach, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, whoever gave that review was clearly only kind of watching, which is funny. Okay, and now going into the audience score slash audience consensus. So the audience score was 66%, um, but there really wasn't an audio audio, an audience consensus to speak of. So instead, we cultivated some tweets from recent times. So here are the tweets that have been selected. Barbie as Rapunzel is the reason I got into painting. That's so cute. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. Okay. Um, Next one. Otto is the reason I take out the Barbie Rapunzel DVD. Arm flexing, arm flexing. Um, that should get you put in prison immediately. Um, next one. You're not ready. I, I just looked at it for a second. I can't wait to take a shot every time Otto from Barbie Rapunzel acts like a slutty bottom. Absolutely true. Uh We will come back to that, I'm sure. Uh, Next we have, my personality is a mix of Otto from Barbie Rapunzel, Azul from Barbie Island Princess, Mermaid from Little Mermaid, and Hades from Hercules. That is so many references. I hope this person feels good. You said mermaid from Little Mermaid instead of Ursula. Oh, shit. Okay, excuse me. Mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Ursula from Little Mermaid and Hades from Hercules. Not mermaid from mermaid. (laughs) Okay, and now lastly, Otto from Barbie as Rapunzel is the most influential movie character of all time. Change my mind. Smiley face with blushing (laughs) cheeks. So, okay, you're the one who compiled these tweets. So my question is, was Otto brought up as much as these tweets would indicate? Yeah. I mean, that's basically all people talk about in regards to this movie, like in, in a funny way, you know? Yes. Well, kind of with good reason, because this character exists beyond the realm of it making any sense the entire time. Okay, so now moving into the gossip section. Um, So we recently covered this year in my Big Fat Greek Wedding, but um, we have just a list of some kids shows that first aired in 2002. We have Kim Possible, Liberty's Kids, (laughs) Cyber Chase, Simon in the Land of Chalk Drawings, Jimmy Neutron, Chalk Zone, and Harold and the Purple Crayon, to which Audrey said, I want to know why all these shows are about little boys with writing apparatuses. (laughs) We have questions about that specific truth. Let's talk when we first watched this and what we remember about it and associated memories with this movie. Things about the movie that I specifically remembered, and then I will get into uh, the the childhood details. Um, I hadn't seen this in like a million years, but I remembered the painting. I remembered the main vocal theme, like the, ah, like that whole thing. Um, I remember that the king looks like shit. I remember the, <laughs> the magic paintbrush and I remember the uh, the rabbit with the English accent, which obviously I hate. Um, and also, okay, there's like a, like a YouTube edit that's kind of viral from this movie um, where yeah. 
there's like, it's actually really, really funny though. Like one of my favorite parts, I think we referenced it in the Swan Princess video. Um, Like that's yeah. how you thank me like that. I've taken care of you since you were a baby and this is how you thank me. Um, And I also remember Kelly sucking in the beginning. What am I supposed to paint? But what if I don't have any good ideas? Can't you just tell me what to paint? But what if I hate it? What I remember about our childhood specifically and this movie was we did have it. Um, we were pretty young when we had it. If it was 2002, um, we had the Barbie. We also had a stuffed animal Penelope, if you recall. Yes. And that was like yours. Yeah. Like she was yours. Yeah. Well, obviously I do remember. Well, I remember one thing that she said. I don't remember everything she said. I re- <laughs> Well, scratch my scales. I know when she said that in the movie, I was like, oh, man. She also said, I am a mighty dragon. We had a lot of Barbies when we were kids. Like, a lot of Barbies. And then later, Bratz came into it and kind of took the spotlight a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. It felt, it felt like the cool older version of Barbie, basically. I don't know if you want to disclose this information, but like at one point <laughs> I in think high I know what you're going to say. Like, you had all the Princess Barbies lined mm-hmm. up like on your desk thing um, because we had them all. Like we we actually yeah. had like pretty much every, we even had like Jane, like from Tarzan. Like we were yeah. not messing around. Again, I feel like I've confessed to this before, but I was like really into Disney princesses for like a really long time. So... I was, like, doing it all yeah. up with the princess lunchbox and everything. I think I had the princess lunchbox through my senior year, <laughs> but at that point, it was, like, almost like a gross. joke. Yeah, it was gross also because it was it was a tin lunchbox, <laughs> so it was, like, rusted on the inside. That was the worst. There, I, I just remember the, like, light Disney bounding that you oh, would do. Literally, I would do that all the time. And the weird thing was, is that, like, no one checked me, like, ever. No, I didn't. I, I know. I didn't think that it was uncool or in, in any way. I just, I respected yeah. your grind. Like, it was, <laughs> I didn't have a problem with I think it. Also, like, I was pulling most of those stunts in, like, 2010. And just, like, the level of self-awareness everyone had back then was not the same as it is now. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it was just a different lifestyle. But I had a good old time, and it was fun. One more thing. Also, um, I do feel like Tumblr culture heavily contributed to, like, the resurgence of or like the continuation mm-hmm. of somebody's interest in Disney princesses in, into being a teenager. Yes. Like without Tumblr and without, remember all those like dumb like edits where people would take Rapunzel and like put the hipster glasses in a flower crown yes. on her? Actually, it's really funny that you say that because I literally have um, a a picture of Ariel like that on the ground over here right now because the girl who's playing the lead in my play brought me a bunch of shit from her Tumblr wall, quote unquote, that she had in high school and I'm putting it on the wall for the play. So, yeah, uh, it's very much a thing. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. Um, but agreed. There were also a lot of cute edits, like just like putting an interesting filter on a still from a movie, like very that. But also I was really mm-hmm. into princesses when I was a kid, so it all makes sense to me. Most of the things I really liked as a kid, I'm still really into now, so... It is what it is. It's just less, it's less external than it Yeah, was. and like princesses, I'm definitely not that into. Like, I don't really care anymore. Um, but like, my doll interest is being uh, resurged by my friendship with Joey, who's our merch designer, and they collect dolls. So like, whenever they get like promo dolls in the mail, they always send me like videos, like showing off all the details. And I'm kind of like, yeah. this is fun. Like, I could get into this. I like well thought out, detailed, tiny things, like mini brands. Mini brands, like brands that people, like that dolls wear? No, have you ever, you've never seen mini brands? It's this ball. It's this like little sphere thing and you buy it and then you open it up and it opens in like quadrants kind of and you you peel it back. It's so interesting. You peel back each section and it's a mini version of a real product. That oh, yes, 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 yes. I've seen those. Yeah. Um, those are fun. Agreed. Do you not know what the mini thing is going to be until you open it? You don't. And you get, there's like four or five quadrants. So it's like, it's like a fun little reveal with each oh my one. God. It, are they like, yeah. are the mini items the size that like a Barbie could play with or are they still too big? Yeah, they're good. They're like good Barbie size. I'm going to be <laughs> looking that up after this for sure. Okay, let's take our break now. You can find this movie on kind of a lot of platforms. Um, it was behind a paywall for me. Not that I should say that because Audrey will come for my no. neck. Um, but I did it. Wait, but you there there is a website. I forget what it's called, but if you look up um, any Barbie movie f- and then free, it will be like the first result. And there's this website that has all the Barbie and princess movies archived. Oh, and okay. it's it's all there. Well, I love getting scammed, it turns out. So I'll just continue (laughs) that lifestyle. Um, So you can Google that. Or if you want to get scammed, you can rent it on Prime Video or YouTube or wherever. We will be back. We'll be right back. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
we're back and it is time to talk about 2002's Barbie as Rapunzel. So I have a lot of just sort of really specific things written down. The first one is these art supplies look bad right out the gate. I'm going to try to refrain from animation comments, but there's some that I just have to. Uh, I wrote down the braid is tubular as fuck because it really is (laughs) like the coils. I was so annoyed to see the rabbit. I was like, we have to deal with another British man talking animal character like It has been relentless this season. Where's the law? Where's the requirement that you have to have an annoying animal in your animated movie? Apparently, it is a requirement is what we're learning. (laughs) It's so annoying. I thought that it was weird that Gothel allowed Rapunzel to have two friends all the time in the house, in the castle. Um, I was like, this doesn't make any sense um and also speaking of the dragon especially the dragon inside it's like there's a whole dragon inside (laughs) Um, but also the part where she goes i can smell the salt water i can feel the mist but she puts emphasis on water instead of salt the salt water i'm like the hell is that okay There is reverb on the voices almost the whole time, pretty extremely, which I was really noticing when I was listening to it. Like I had headphones in when I was listening. Um, Is this movie Cinderella or is it Rapunzel? Because it's a pretty strong combination of the two, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a hybrid. We're 20 minutes into the movie and I notice they haven't acknowledged her hair yet. And that's supposed to be like the whole point. (laughs) So I was kind of just like countdown to uh, them finally acknowledging her hair. Um, when, When Rapunzel is like trying to grab Kelly from falling down the hole and then the prince like grabs her waist and it's like close shot on him grabbing her waist. I was like, that's kind of spicy. I don't know. Like, that's a little weird. Also, just okay. how skinny, how skinny they make Barbie. So, like, yeah. his hands are basically completely around her. The, all of their interactions were, like, so funny and weird to me. The, it's, their, it's their attempt at, like, a more current chemistry between like a teenage couple or something but yeah. since it's this awkward animation it just comes off really <laughs> yeah really just like funny. didn't really happen didn't really happen i was kind of shook that gothel was just like ready to murder that rabbit in cold <laughs> blood <laughs> like like she was like you can have friends in the house but then was like levitating that rabbit like threatening his life like <laughs> And also, like, blowing up all the paintings. Like, I really wanted Barbie to be, like, more vengeful about that. And she was just kind of like, no. And, like, that was it. (laughs) Yeah. The part when boy Kelly shows up and just says, I'm glad you're my brother. I was like, (laughs) goodbye. I hate that. I know. The way that the boy characters, like, run in these movies is, like, so unsettling for some reason. I don't know why. They're, like, they're, like, clamoring about. Yeah. And, like, I feel like their feet are always real, like, tippy-tappy, like, when they're walking and stuff and running. And I'm just, like, no. 
I thought it was funny that Rapunzel was sleeping in full drag with her hair out. <laughs> but then I realized, then I realized it was a dream sequence, which technically I'll put under the good eventually, which is that that dream sequence had me 100% in it. I was like yeah. taking all these notes, like, how could this happen? Like, how could this be? And then I was like, oh, this is a dream sequence. When Hobie, that horrible rabbit said, I could have sworn this used to be a hairbrush. I'm like, how would you know? How would you really know, though? I don't understand why there are fight scenes in this movie that have nothing but foley. Nothing but footsteps and silence. It's super uncomfortable. (laughs) And then, like, other fight scenes have music. And I'm like, couldn't you have just used it twice? Like, I don't really understand. Um, No, Uh, it's the London Symphony Orchestra. Just hate. Um... The king versus king sword fight I wrote down is giving me high school Shakespeare conflict. Like, it looked so choreographed and it's animated. Yeah, because it is. They literally just choreograph it with actors and then, like, record them in space doing it. And then just, like, kind of, like, animate on top of that. It's kind of what, what happens. When that one little Kelly girl said, I call him as I see him. I wanted to fling myself into another dimension. <laughs> the fact that at the wedding, it like pans across all the attendees and you see Rapunzel's entire ass mother standing there and she never gets to meet her in the movie. I found that to be really weird. And then last but not least, this is probably the most useless framing device I have ever seen. How does it somehow get turned into a thing about finding inspiration to paint? Like, that is not what (laughs) this movie is about, literally at all. At all. But you know what's interesting is that the whole painting thing is entangled, too. But it's not, it's not, like, as much of a thing as it is in this one. I mean, she doesn't, like, go to other worlds through her paintings, I mean, doesn't she just, like, sit in her tower and paint sometimes? Yeah. It's just to, like, pass the time. I feel like that's it. I just wanted more about Gothel and the whole keeping Rapunzel captive thing. It's like, there's that one line where she's like, I kept you away from the world to protect you. But then, like, that's kind of... She didn't even say protect you. She was like, I did it for you. And it's like, well, why would you be doing it for her? Like the key takeaways and like lesson of Rapunzel is completely wiped out in this version. Um, Yeah. In service of like a really weird love story that is not um, very good. But like, you know, when you look at other iterations, it's, like, about the mother-daughter relationship. That's, like, what the original is about. It's, like, a really dark mother-daughter story, basically. Yeah. And and there's, like, good, valuable lessons to be taken from that. Um, yeah. For sure. But, yeah, that's not what we're... Uh, that's not what we're caring about here in the Barbie version. No, no, version. no. I said, the first thing I said was like, do we always need a framing device? Because that, the reason that the framing device is there is because the Barbie as blank movies tend to have that sort of thing because they are essentially 
placing Barbie into a story that is being told from actual Barbie. So like, yeah, it's like a double, a double thing. But yeah, I I don't think the kids don't need that sort of logical explanation of like, why is Barbie, is Barbie Rapunzel? I'm confused. Like they get it. The guards, they have like two guards that are Oh, I forgot. I wrote that down too. The human version of the dumb animals. And it's just, it's just grating. It's very grating on me. Yeah. It hurts my spirit. I said that I 100% did not recall this being about a divided kingdom because I didn't (laughs) at all. Yeah. Well, we'll, I want to put a pin in that and come back to it when we get to the good because because I have opinions on that. (laughs) For those at home, I don't know if you guys will be able to tell, but Audrey's recording situation has like totally derailed like four times in the past hour and her windscreen just fell and, uh... I'm just ha- I'm enjoying the show to be totally honest. <laughs> I like hit it with my hand by accident. Okay, well, at least it was a physical error this time and not a technical <laughs> yeah. one. That whole part where they they visit that random guy who like has knowledge and expertise on paintbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> the silversmith, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, "Whoa, look at this brush." And then and then well, he's like <laughs> I can't visit my brother because he's in the divided <laughs> kingdom. You know what, though? That ultimately made sense to me because he was like, my brother made this. So, like, I bought that. Also, though, I loved the part when they walk in and he's like, you're high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like, that? So yeah. stupid. Um, I mean, okay, what else do you have? It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's that I just never could have foreseen how that plot would be involved in Rapunzel as a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. True. Um, and then, yeah, I also said that Gothel was really going to murder those kids in cold blood. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I like, hate children. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was ready to do it. A part of me respects her for that. Like, I, I gotta be honest. Do we need a Gothel fan cam? Like, potentially. Yeah. And the sound, and this is going into appreciate the sound of her shoes and the, the foley for Mother Gothel's shoes is great. Things that I enjoyed. Okay. The music obviously is great. The blacksmith in the town lived in my mind rent-free forever. <laughs> because every time I would see him, I'd be like, he does not belong in this world. Like, he looks like he's straight out of, like, a boy's video game. Like, he's so jacked and scary looking. Like, why is he there? There's that. Um, the failed dragon daughter plot line. I was like, this is kind of good. Like, I can kind of get into this plot. When Kelly goes, his name is Botticelli. <laughs> Great moment. <laughs> His name is Botticelli. I mean, I hated it too, but I also was like laughing to myself when she said it. <laughs> That's 
really how she says it too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The vocals in the vocal theme, I was like, they're kind of slaying. I loved it when the when the baker said, "Yeah, woman." <laughs> she asked if there was a festival going on. So good. Um. Wait. <sighs> okay. Does Gothel get killed? Because I was going to no, say, no, Gothel gets stuck in the tower. I was going to say, if she did get killed, it's sort of the, the question of, can she not be rehabilitated? <laughs> oh, literally, literally, literally. I had the exact same thought. I was like, she's stuck in that in that tower forever like are we re- are we are we abolishing prison or are we like, rehabilitating gothel this, like what are we doing like this is a woman with she's very smart she has resources <laughs> um she could like you could put her as like the head of the military even like she can like get- she'd be head of security for the for the kingdom but she's already a flight risk though because she's like an incel <laughs> Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. How? I mean, an incel is like an exaggeration, but like, (laughs) she got friend zoned by King Wilhelm and she was so salty that she literally stole his baby. That's what happened. Uh, I forgot that that's what actually happened. (laughs) What do you mean you forgot? We just watched it. Yeah, no, she legit was an incel. She was like, you should have loved me and all that. (laughs) Deep memories associated with the berry squishing when Penelope was standing within the berries. That's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, The moment, the the little uh, fashion moment where she's painting all the dresses on the wall and and she like steps in and out of them. Great moment in cinema in general. Um, and the dress that she ultimately ends up with, with the glittery sleeves, mm-hmm. the amount of glitter on those sleeves is stupendous. I also wrote that, yeah. And basically my ultimate good comment is that um, I thought the plot twist was actually really good. Like I thought the ending was a really, really strong ending. Like the like the plot itself, there are obviously some plot holes, but like the ending is great. Like you find out that there's this whole rivalry and it's because of Gothel's meddling and then her own spell has like a plot hole in it and so she gets stuck in the thing um Mm -hmm. and the dragon dad is like vibing uh and also he reminds me a lot like that whole character reminds me a lot of Worf from Star Trek in like the vigilance thing um if you're a Star Trek watcher um but yeah I thought the ending was awesome awesome might be an overstatement but (laughs) awesome the plot was, like, more soundly constructed than I expected. I will give it that. Yeah, I think, like, there's a lot There's a lot going on in this story of Rapunzel. Like, there's a lot more themes than usual because more characters yes. have been added who actually have quite a presence in the movie. Like, they're not... It, she's not alone at all. Like, and it's kind of no. weird because the whole point of Rapunzel is that she's alone. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but she's literally never alone. So, um, I don't know. Nope. She's so, allowed to on. have friends over. 
she's allowed to have friends literally living in the castle. And the, <laughs> the weird thing is that Gothel like barely even acknowledges them. Like she kind of does. Like the whole part where the rabbit is trying to stall and he like jumps onto her feet and is like dangling off her feet. I'm like, yeah. she would have kicked the shit out of you and then murdered you. <laughs> like yeah. this is inconsistent. That part, I was just like, okay, we're just going with this. You're playing with fire, my friend. (laughs) Yes. Like, that's really bold. Here we enter true reach central, which is problematic. (laughs) This is about to be some of the silliest things we've ever said. Okay, I I do actually have, like, two kind of questions for this category. One being, like, and this doesn't go just for this movie, but it goes for all iterations of Rapunzel. Like, what is the true meaning behind climbing up a woman's hair? Like, a man climbing up a woman's hair, that like, symbolically. What, what are we getting at with this? Like, I feel like there's some, like, Freudian shit underneath this somehow. Okay, well, if I was to riff on it where my mind went immediately is like, okay, so normally the prince like climbs up Rapunzel's hair and then gets to the top and is like, I made it. Like, I'm here to rescue you. And to me, it's like, okay, but think about like the amount of physical suffering that Rapunzel or the Rapunzel stand-in would have to go through for him to even get up there. And then basically she, she's the one who even facilitates the rescue in the first place. But then he gets up there and she has to be like, my hero, like you did that all by yourself. But like he didn't. But like his ass would be on the ground without her luscious locks. So yeah. (laughs) There's a loose, there is a loose interpretation of agency, I guess. (laughs) But he does tell her to do it. It's a command. Yeah, but she still does it. Yeah, but coercion, coercion. (laughs) The illusion of consent in Rapunzel, in Barbie as Rapunzel. (laughs) <laughs> Where we only even get it in a dream sequence. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. And what my, else do you have? My other question is, why do... This is something I've noticed in just movies recently that we've been watching. Like Swan Princess also. And The Little Mermaid. Why do these animated movies involve like females like women disguising as other women and like tricking men. Like that's such a thing in in these animated movies where it's like there's a bitter, there's like a bitter woman who like (laughs) hates the young blonde person and like wants to ruin her life. So Snow White also is kind of that vibe. It is. It is kind of, yeah. Also, like, the jealous mother, it's kind of the same thing in, like, Sleeping Beauty, even though she's not the mother, obviously, but, like, she's been scorned in some way, Maleficent has. Same evil mother in Cinderella. And it's just, like, men created all these these things. This comes from the minds of men who, like, I I just, it's just interesting. Like, this concept of evil, like, evil older woman, um, it, it, Mm -hmm. again, it's coming off very Freudian. I don't, (laughs) I don't like it. But at the same time, 
there is such like power and like fun and sometimes just like good diva energy from those characters that like yeah. it's not like I hate to see them I I kind of love to see them um you know mm-hmm. we love three dimensional unlikable women <laughs> We need to make room for unlikable women in the Barbie franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's funny how that sort of thing comes completely full circle. Like you end up just eating, like, what is it called? Like eating the tail. A snake like, eating like, its own tail. Yeah. <laughs> It sounded like you were about to be like eating ass. <laughs> you end up eating ass. <laughs> it could okay. happen to you. Uh, okay. Um, I'm just laughing so hard because I'm watching you laugh. This isn't even like a like a real issue. It's just like, why is the ferret so gay and weird? Like that's that's a question none of us can answer. <laughs> But he's very gay and he's very weird. He's so <laughs> it's weird. Qu- it's a question for the voice actor. <laughs> yeah, like, what was the accent? Like, were you being directed to act that way? Why do you say it village? Why? Like, just questions for that. That's in your problematic um, section. <laughs> Yes, it's a reach. Really, though, my only actual thing, and I don't even know if it is problematic, really, but I just thought it was interesting that, like, Cree Summer, who is, like, the recognizable black voice for kids programming of this era, was, like, as a dragon, which is, like, not bad, (laughs) but it's just, like, that's a very intentional casting choice, you know? And it's kind of like, I'm sure that she read for the part and like did a great job, but there were like certain lines that I was like, would they really have said that? Like, like when she was like, I got moves, like, you don't think I got moves, I got moves. I was like, I wonder if that was like, like, you know, I just can't help but wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for for sure. I thought that same thing. And in a ton of animated movies, that has been a problem. Like, yeah, um, like Princess and the Frog, where like you're so, you know, it's great to see like a black woman being portrayed as a princess or, you know, eventually as a princess, but in that lead role. And then she spends almost the entire movie as a fucking frog, which I hate and I do not (laughs) care about. Yeah. Um, And that's not what I wanted to see. So and that's not a problem you get in any other um, princess movie. Where they spend the whole movie as an animal. I Okay, I guess, wait. Does that happen in Brave? Is that I have not Brave seen Brave. Is? Oh, yes, it Neither is. Have, yes, it is. She yeah. turns into like a bear or something. Because they... You just mean like, like there's one black voice and it's an animal? Yeah, like why... Th- it's just something that happens a lot. Like... Yeah. You'll have black actors cast as animals in animated stuff. Like without... Like a, another kind of good example and... These are sort of all over the place, but like um, Eddie Murphy as Donkey, like I feel yeah, like yeah, 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 was a strong example. There's lots of examples of that where um, uh, like white people, like Cameron Diaz as Fiona. It's like yes, they're playing ogres or whatever, but like um, choices. 
as like a lead versus an animal sidekick. Like it's just so interesting when animated movies, I mean, made by white people, which is like almost all of them, like have very intentionally black sounding actors for certain parts. Mm -hmm. How interesting and pervasive that issue with like Shrek is that like it even came down to the Broadway actors when they did turn it into a stage musical Donkey was still a black man and they played it in a different way it wasn't even like the same exact delivery um yeah I don't know it's just like something there's whenever that happens there's just something a little bit like yeah agreed agreed Okay, but ultimately, is this movie worthwhile? <laughs> I gotta say, like, if you want to hear some just, like, psychotic um, voice <laughs> acting. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. I found it very comforting to watch. Um, yeah. And I was... I was never, like, intensely disappointed as I was watching it. Like, it was either good or fine. Right. Which definitely exceeded my expectations. So that was good. Yeah. I, it met my expectations. I remembered. It It looked and was exactly how I recalled it. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a movie that's there for those who watch it as children and, like. Yeah. Don't be a hater. <laughs> yeah, and like kids, I feel like kids now would like it. Like it, it holds up pretty well. Yeah, it's like classic fable, like <laughs> a classic fable completely changed, but you know. <laughs> but it's essentially the same. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Personally, I had a great time watching this movie, and I hope that you at home rewatched it too because it's a good time. We have a very special guest coming on next week that I'm excited for you all to hear. Um, And also a really highly requested movie, I imagine. As always, if you're feeling like you want a new outfit, a new look, (laughs) um, you can check out our merch at the link in our bio. If you want a new outfit. (laughs) New outfit. We're going to outfit you head to toe. I wish we had like track pants. Shamisha Iman sneakers. Yeah, that's what we need. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Um, thanks for listening as always. I really laughed a lot in this and (laughs) struggled. I feel like I I had a full arc in this episode. (laughs) You really did. Like we had to stop like four times for Audrey's technical situation, but we made it through. You know, you think AirPods are going to be great, a great new investment that will make your life easier, and then they just ruin your life in every way possible. (laughs) Immediately, too. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Well, Audrey, I will see you back here soon. Aye, aye, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're dismissed. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer of the show is Michael D'Aloya. 
You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at toopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at toopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you love Sleepover Cinema, if it's become a staple of your weekly routine, or if it's a new show you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with a few friends, maybe even both. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily... That's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately 7 minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.